personally, I take the path train from Midtown Manhattan <laughs> yep. into Hoboken, and there's a diner that uh, me and some friends from work go sit in for an hour. We have lunch and we unload. A bunch of guys at the Action Network did that this week. I actually have it on my calendar for Monday. It says New Jersey betting field trip. So, <laughs> you know, that's just part of the job. Chad Millman is the chief content officer for the Action Network, a media company providing premium analysis as well as real-time betting data. Man, Chad and I have known each other for a long time, almost 20 years, dating back to me pitching Chad on writing Mike Vick's stories during his rookie season. We have a great discussion on the bond about what sports will surprise you in their audience, interest, and betting handle. Chad's inspirations and role models that have helped guide his way in content. How to turn their users into subscribers, what hasn't worked at the Action Network, and his three unexpected sports he expects to gain in betting popularity shortly. This space is still in its infancy, with only 11 states having legalized sports betting and only four allowing mobile capability. I simply love the fact that he has a placeholder on his weekly calendar titled New Jersey Betting Field Trip, and he gets to call that work. I think we are in the seed slash startup stage for the business. Mm. Uh, When you think about it, sports betting is currently available in 11 states, uh, 11 states when since um, the Professional Amateur Sports Protection Act was overturned by the Supreme Court in May of 2018. But only four of those states are mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning those are the only states where, uh, you, where, where bettors can bet on mobile devices. Yep. Um, New Jersey obviously has shown the biggest, uh, has shown what the biggest opportunity is. They are completely mobile. You can register from anywhere in the state on your phone and 87% of the handle that is the total amount bet is coming in through mobile devices. And there was another stat that a writer for Esquire uh, noted in a story about betting in New Jersey that 44% of the bets are made within two miles of the state line. Interesting. So what that's telling you is that a lot of people are coming in from New York and uh, betting in the state of New Jersey, me being one of them who does it fairly regularly. And um, All right, hold on, hold on, hold the thought right there. So if you're yeah. doing that regularly, are you are you driving across the state line pulling over at the shoulder or a Dunkin Donuts and betting or what are you actually doing? That's not what I do, but a lot of people do that. Like there are parking lots on the other side of the George Washington bridge and grocery stores where they're loaded with betters. Uh, Personally, I take the path train from (laughs) midtown Manhattan into Hoboken. And there's a diner that uh, me and some friends from work go sit in for an hour. We have lunch and we unload. Uh, A bunch of guys at the action network did that this week. And, uh, I actually have it on my calendar uh, for Monday. Um, It says New Jersey betting field trip. So, uh, you know, that's just part of the job. But so I think I think that that it's it's still in the startup phase, even though, you know, there was probably 15 and not probably there was more than 15 billion dollars in handle across all the states where sports betting is legal since uh, it did become legal 18 months ago and or now 20 months ago. And so that's a, that's a healthy sized business, but in terms of 
who's in the space in terms of the amount of people who are figuring out what it looks like in terms of large scale businesses understanding what the opportunity is and how they're going to play in the market. That's very much in the seed slash startup phase. And how much does the Action Network and do you guys get involved in the the lobbying of at a state level or pushing uh, just pushing the business forward from eleven states to fifty or from four mobile states to fifty or are you guys focused on the 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 content piece the education piece? And as the business matures from seed to growth or maturity, you guys win because more people then are consuming what you guys are pushing out every day. Yeah, I think, look, as long as it gets bigger, then we're in, we're in a really good spot. Our biggest sort of the thing we think about most is audience. How do we get more audience, right? So uh, we're not – we're not active lobbyists, yep. um, but certainly we do our best to communicate sort of the advantages with regulators who ask us questions, um, letting them understand like what's worked in the places where we're active. We're um, involved in the affiliate business as well. So in addition to being sort of a forward-facing B2C consumer content business uh, and consumer product business, um, we, you know, we have subscribers and so that's been the large, that's been how we've generated our revenue the past, say two years, um, since we launched, but, um, we just launched the affiliate business in late December and that's a B2B business for us, right? We're driving customers from our platform to regulated online sports books in New Jersey and Indiana and Pennsylvania and West Virginia. And so in states that are considering how to roll out sports betting, uh, we certainly like to give our opinion on what's worked and what hasn't. Mm. And, and what percent of the content on your site uh, is specific to betting or is or just – I mean I, I assume everything has a slant to betting. But how much of it is specific to a game or a moment of why you should bet one way? Versus simply storytelling in and around sports. I would say probably 80% of our content is going to be geared towards how to make a smart decision with regards to betting. Mm -hmm. uh, that's how we launched. That's core to who we are. Um, that's how we built the subscriber business. Mm -hmm. I think as we... Um, as we go deeper into the affiliate space and gathering audience that is going to be interested in making a bet uh, and might be new to the space um, is important, then we're going to do broader content. Um, but we've been very focused on what content is going to convert a user to become a subscriber. And that has largely been content that is actionable, that uh, has a pretty limited window, like what betters really want is to be told what to do in that moment for the games that are happening that day. So we always see huge traffic spikes in advance of a game, uh, whether it's an NBA game, a college basketball game, an NFL game, college football. Um, and we'd see huge subscriber numbers on those days. 
And so uh, that's been what we focused on, and that's how we built our, our team. But certainly as audience becomes more and more important, we're going to be thinking more about uh, the stories that can reach, um, reach more people. Mm. And how do you staff a storytelling when you're talking about uh, being there and ready for actionable stuff for day of when there are games that take place 24 hours a day around the world? Uh, you know, it's not dissimilar. I, you know, I, was, I was at ESPN for a long time, right? And I was editor-in-chief of the magazine and editorial director for ESPN Digital. And when I decided to leave ESPN to go help launch the Action Network, um, I did that in September of 2017 before, before we um, officially launched the website. And um, I really thought about what worked at ESPN and what was the model for, from a content perspective. Like, you know you need to staff 20 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, and you know that sports happen at night. And you know that sports happen on the weekend. So you build your scheduling and you build your talent roster and you build your editorial team around when events are going on. Uh, we don't have to do post-game stories. So I don't need someone sort of filing at midnight after a, you know, Lakers-Warriors game. Yep. Uh, but we do have people that are on in case there is a really bad beat you want to write about. And in case sort of there is late breaking news uh, with a, or, if, or like the Wilder Fury fight, like that is something where you want someone to be active on social throughout the entirety of the fight. Um, and you have to think about social when you're building on a content team, because that's when the conversations are happening. And that's when your off platform audience grows. And so uh, it's very much about, you know, thinking about when events are and how you're building a news organization around that. Hmm. And you mentioned ESPN and learning content there. And gosh, you and I have known each other for almost 20 years back when I was doing Michael Vick marketing and, and you yeah, were writing right. magazine stories, which is scary to think that it's been about 20 years. But I'm curious along your journey of writing and um, leading the content space and certainly the digital world in the last 10 years, who, who do you, not, not necessarily a role model, but... Who, who do you watch that you think does it well too? And that could be a, another media platform. It could be an individual or a corporate brand. I'm curious who you like and um, have modeled some of the, the thought or um, help you in your learning. It's a really good question. Uh, there's been so many people like... John Kozner was super thoughtful and super progressive and super forward thinking. He was one of my bosses at ESPN. He ran all of digital at ESPN. Rob King was one of my bosses at ESPN when I took over as editor chief of the magazine. Um, really thoughtful about storytelling, really thoughtful about managing people. Um, and that was really important. Uh, I think that I, I try to, you know, borrow and steal from a lot of places that I look at, like House of Highlights has become a really incredible uh, 
social engine. And the guy who created that, this 19-year-old kid named Omar, who started House of Highlights and then did it for, for Bleacher, he just went to ESPN. I thought it was super smart that ESPN uh, found a way to sign him and understood sort of the value that he was creating on social. So I look a lot at social um, and think about what are people doing in those spaces that is new and unique and next and different. Um, and like Barstool Sports has been one of those places where they do content really, really well. And it's interesting to see how they expand their platform and what new spaces uh, they go into. Um, so, you know, I pick and choose from everywhere. Mm. Yeah, Barstool is a fascinating case study in itself. Who, who, are, who are you a, a fan of personally? What, what athlete or sport do you care about? Oh, gosh. I, uh, I love the NFL. Um, really love the NFL. Uh, and I love the NBA. Um, I love to watch, uh, I love to watch the NBA. I love Kemba Walker as a player. Um, you know, I'm in the new England area and he has a big influence out here with the Celtics. And so, uh, my 13 year old is a massive NBA fan. And so, uh, he and I are constantly talking about the NBA. Uh, I love Steph when he's playing, um, it's, it's hard not to love John Morant is becoming one of my favorite new players. Um, and I just feel like Luca, like the, the level of talent in the NBA right now is so much fun that it's a, it's a highlight every night. And I understand ratings are down and I don't know why, cause I can watch it all day. How, how much of, how much do you take and learn from when you're following Moran or Steph or Luca, Kemba, any of that, and how you consume that content to using that mindset when figuring out what your audiences want at the Action Network? We do a lot of data. Hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting, like we were just talking about what, like, how am I staffing a team when news and betting is happening so often? Uh, and we learned early on that like our audience was most interested in content that told them what to do. And so as much as I'm looking at other places and trying to figure out, okay, what's working or where do we want to go next? And I think probably 70% of my time is spent on where do we want to go next? Where do we need the staff to get bigger? What is the talent we need to acquire? Um, all that kind of stuff. Like on a day to day, a lot of our decisions are based on what are we seeing uh, in our internal market that uh, helps dictate when we want to create stuff and what we want to create. And over, you said September 17 is when, when you went over, I can't believe it's actually, we're going to get close to three years soon. What content uh, have you put out there that you thought would get better traction than it did? Or, or what have you learned, I guess, in terms of, I can make it easier. What content have you put out there that you were surprised how well it did and you wanted to put now more gasoline on it? I can give you both, mm. uh, like golf without a doubt. Like 
the day we launched, it became clear. No, no joke. The day we launched, uh, we launched in January of 2018, and it was around the time of the second round of the NFL playoffs and the Waste Management Open. And um, the Waste Management Open that week drove more traffic and <laughs> more subs than our football coverage. Wow. And that was the day that I immediately started trying to figure out how to sign Jason Sobel, um, uh, who I had worked with at ESPN. And golf has continued to be a huge, huge driver for us. We're passionate fans of betting on golf. Uh, and we're sort of seeing some, some pretty great growth there. Uh, the stuff that hasn't worked oftentimes for us, it's been some of that bad beat stuff that I mentioned, like it hasn't resonated. Scott Van Pelt obviously does it and does it incredibly well. And I think we thought there'd be more of a market for written kind of roundups mm -hmm. that recapped what those bad beats were. And for us, at least, there just hasn't been, um, you know, maybe in other places there would be, um, maybe it's a, maybe it's, you know, we're still pretty small in terms of some of the people that we like to look at as our competitors, like the bleachers and ESPNs and CBSs of the world. And maybe it's just a question of, uh, that isn't resonating with the audience we've we've aggregated yet, but I've been surprised that sort of the lack of traction some of that stuff gets. Hmm. Go back to golf for me. What do, what do you think? What do you think it is? I mean, waste management obviously is its own animal in itself. But so I, I almost feel like in a microcosm that week, like anything works. But yeah, right. But as you've said. You know, you're January 2018, and it continues to to move forward. What, what do you think it is about the sport, the audience, or what you can bet that has um, lend itself to making it work? I really think that DFS had a lot to do with it. Mm -hmm. I think the fact that DFS went all all in on golf, it it introduced it to a different kind of audience, and maybe a younger audience that was thinking opportunistically about sports. And um, DFS, DFS and golf is easy to transition to betting. And so it introduced a lot of people to betting who might not have been doing it before. And so uh, as the market for betting explodes, golf has a lot of interesting types of bets. They have matchup bets. They have first round leader bets, bets to make the cut top five, top 10, top 20. Um, there's just so many ways to bet on the sport. It just becomes fascinating. Yeah. And, and I would imagine too, if I think about it, it, it's probably the sport or hobby that is bet on the most when you're participating. If you're playing someone in hoops or a game of horse, you can bet on that. But if, if you're out with three buddies in a foursome, the amount of $2 Nassau's or closest to the pins, I think the, the sport when you're playing itself is set up for that too, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, look, uh, I'm, not a, I'm not an avid golfer, but a lot of my friends are. And I don't know the, the last time they teed it up without having a bet. Mm -hmm. Like, it is a sport that naturally lends itself to peer-to-peer -peer betting. As as states come on board, and uh, it becomes more uh, 
let's just call it national and accepted everywhere. I'm curious as we're going through that process, what do you guys see on the business side, on the advertiser side, and the, the change of maybe what a Fortune 100 or 500 company used to think? Is it still taboo? Is it just another uh, sports content place to put money against? Are they just looking for audience, or are people still skittish of the space? I don't think they're skittish. I think they're cautious, and I mm-hmm. think there's a couple reasons. One, some of the bigger companies are still trying to figure out how to connect betting to their audience. Uh, one of the bigger challenges is that it's not legal nationwide. Mm-hmm. So how do you target New Jersey, Indiana, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, um, the, the places that are going to be most active right now are the sports books. Um, and they're the ones who want to spend both to acquire customers directly in a performance marketing way and the ones who want to uh, spend against brand. And so that's a much more active market than, say, you know, what is Budweiser doing or what is Buffalo Wild Wings doing? Um, I think those brands are still trying to figure out uh, what their audience tolerance is for for this industry and also like what is the upside if you're only able to do it you're only going to spend in places where it's legal yeah that's an interesting comment about since it's not legal nationwide so that goes back to an audience question do you have a disproportionate amount of audience to the 11 states where it's legal or the four states where it's mobile or are people subscribers because they love the space, even if they're not personally betting, or maybe they are just through a bookie and not on a legal side of it. I, I would say that a, a large portion, a large portion of our audience does come from states that are legal, mm-hmm. but it's more like a large portion of our audience comes from uh, major metropolitan areas, mm-hmm. and it just so happens that uh, Philadelphia, uh, New York City, Chicago. Um, those are all three of our biggest markets where much of our audience is coming from. And those are also places where in, you know, Philadelphia and New York where betting is online betting is not, is, is legal or, you know, in New York, it's legal adjacent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy, to, it's easy to get to Jersey and, um, Chicago it was legalized last year and is coming online probably in the next, you know, two weeks. And so I think it's more about, we just happen to be in major metropolitan areas and, and that's where our audience is and that's where there happens to be some betting. Hmm. All right. So let me close with two questions. One is you're at 11 states right now in, yep. f- in five years. Give me a number of how many states we're going to be. And then two, tell me the one sport similar to golf that you're most excited about or you think has the potential to boost like uh, golf was unexpected to you? Uh, I think the over-under, for lack of a better term, <laughs> uh, or, to use, or to use a term of art, yep. in, five ye- in five years is north of 43 states. Okay. Um, 43.5. 43.5. Yeah, 43.5. <laughs> I mean, we'll be at... We're, the way we're tracking, we're likely to be at 37 states by the end of 2021. Hmm. Okay. Uh, we'll be at uh, 
probably 20 legal states by the end of 2020. Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, as for the second question, I'll, let's, I'll even throw it out to say, what sport is where you're the personal fan of that you see, if you could just get the audience to believe in what you think, where could the most excitement be? NASCAR is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's three things here. I think UFC is sneaky big. Um, and it's always been a big betting sport in Nevada and gets a lot of excitement around fights. Uh, I think there will be renewed interest in boxing just because the bigger players in media, you know, um, the zone is an ent- as an entrant, uh, ESPN, it's investment in boxing, um, Fox and it's investment in boxing. It's just going to introduce boxing to a new and younger demographic and, that's a demographic that's interested in betting. So there will be more enthusiasm around smaller scale fights. Uh, tennis, I think will become much bigger. Tennis is the third most bet sport in the world after soccer and horse racing. And obviously the U S market is just not there because of its popularity here in the United States. But, um, it's a sport that's on all day and people like to bet during the day. And the more betting becomes popular here, the more people are going to recognize tennis as sort of your, your daily opportunity. And that's the bond. See you next week.